0: I'm going to uh, read to you uh, the same verses that we covered yesterday, but I'm going to go a little further up to the end of uh, verse 20, and, uh, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll get into it. Is that okay? You guys well? This has been an amazing week already in so many ways. I'm so aware of God's kindness, his presence with us, his faithfulness. He wants to speak to many of you today through what I have to say from the Bible, so please listen up. As best you can. This is what Jesus did with his disciples uh, in Caesarea Philippi. He took them away to New Day. He took them away uh, for a few days. He took them away to camp out together. Far away from the crowds. Far away from the city. Far away from normal life. Just to get some exclusive time with them. To talk seriously about who he was. About what he had come to do. And what he expected them uh, to spend the rest of their lives with. Uh, So that is why we're taking time through this chapter of the Bible, uh, these few days together at New Day. So let me read to you verse 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter." And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Let's just pray together. Father, we are grateful for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're grateful that by your Holy Spirit, he is here amongst us. We're joined with him, transformed by him, and called by him into a majestic global purpose. And we pray that today that you would inspire us, some for the first time, about the centrality of your church and its importance in your overall plan. Lift our sights, lift our vision, cause us to be excited and recruited to your cause. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I suppose that for many of us, church is the thing that we apologize for, the thing that we are less inspired about. We, we come to New Day perhaps and feel even more inspired about New Day in some cases than we would about, about church. Some of us it would be uh, easier to say yeah we, we, we are excited about Jesus but we're not so excited about church. I think growing up in church circles sometimes makes us over familiar. We tend to despise the things that we're used to. Uh, some of us we, we see the church is uh, at least a little bit embarrassing and at worst a little bit shameful i, I suppose some of it's a it's a little bit like the the whole experience of being picked up from the party by your parents you think this is the bit that you know i am almost a little bit embarrassed when i get collected i remember once when i was young i oh, when i was really young i'm still very young but when i was uh, when i was younger there was uh, an occasion when i was at a party and uh, a friend of mine, it was, it was a weird party. I've never been to one before or since like this. It was a come dressed as your parents party. Wave, wave your hand if you've ever been to one of those. No one. <laughs> no one in this room of thousands of people. Yeah, it was a bizarre idea. I don't know whose crazy idea it was, but come dressed as your parents. And I don't think anyone told their parents that that was what the party was. But one of my friends got picked up by her dad. And, and his first words when he picked her up from the party because she, she had changed <laughs> when, you know when you go to a stupid fancy dress party which are mostly of Satan fancy dress parties are evil I hate them but if, you, if you've ever been to one you can't wait for the point when people start putting back their normal clothes you know just putting on normal clothes again you feel <gasps> relief but uh, she'd done that she'd got back to normal clothes her, her dad comes and picks her up and he says to her first thing in front of everyone he says oh why did you change out of that lovely outfit that you came here in and so she was so ashamed and awkward and embarrassed. I oh, was, Dad, shut up. Dad, shut up. And some of us, we like that with our parents. I think some of us are like that instinctively with church as well. We see the church as that kind of thing we almost have to apologize for, that relative that we feel a little bit embarrassed about. I've got used to saying to people for years and years and years who haven't become Christians because they find the church a little bit setting or off-putting. I've said to people, don't look at the church, just look at Jesus. That's what I often say to people. I feel that I have to say that because I want to get their attention on the right thing, on the main thing. But there's a major problem with the fact that I have to say that. (laughs) And that is the fact that I shouldn't have to say that. It should be that you can say to people, look at the church. Look at the church. Doesn't that make you want to follow Jesus? That's how it should be and when I look at this book I realize that that's how it could be and in fact I believe that that's one day how it will be. Jesus when he talks about the church his heart beats faster. When he talks about the church he gets excited. When he thinks about the church he gets inspired. He is different than us in his whole perspective. Now why is it that we have this problem? It is, there's a, there are lots of reasons. I suppose one of the main reasons is that there, the church has been responsible for some, some bad things, some genuinely bad things through history. The church gets identified with even some outrageous evils through history, you know, the, the, the Crusades or the Spanish Inquisition or songs of praise or some of the most wretched things that, that actually leave people thinking, oh, I, can't, I can't come to Jesus if it's associated with that wicked thing. And then you have to think, well, what, what do we do about that? What do we do about that unfortunate association that the church has with those things? And I just want to throw out very quickly some important things to bear in mind that might help us to process that. One of the things to bear in mind that, that might help us is, is to, to, to remember that not everything that calls itself church is church. Not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Jesus himself said that. Some people he said will come to me on the, the final day saying, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. There, 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 there is that reality that, that, that some people wear the uniform but they're not actually from the school. You know, when I was at school, I had a headmaster who used to say to us, when you wear this uniform, you represent this school. So when you are on your way home, I expect you to behave well. I expect you to help old ladies across the road. I expect you to be kind to the the bus driver and, and, and treat the bus with respect. In other words, as soon as you've taken that uniform off, you can, I don't know, you can impale old ladies on spikes and set fire to to the school bus and eat the bus driver, do what you like, but it's when you wear that uniform that you mustn't do those things because you represent us. And the whole point of history as we look at it is is to discover that many people will call themselves disciples of Jesus who probably aren't they're wearing the uniform it's like they've 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 snuggled themselves in now that's that's a reality we have to come to terms with having said that we can't hide behind that we can't use that as the go-to excuse all the time because like it or not the real Christians are jerks as well <laughs> the people that have smuggled themselves in wearing the uniform they shouldn't have, have, have often tarnished the name of Jesus but so do we right And Jesus knew that when he chose us. He knew that he was choosing people who've got problems, who've got sin in their lives, who've got a past, who who still blow it, who still make mistakes in all kinds of ways, sometimes amazing, horrifying ways. We can't get our way past that. The church is filled with sinners. That's kind of what makes it the church in a way. It's because it's made up of people who, who Jesus is changing and transforming. If we had a perfect church, it wouldn't quite be the church in reality. We've got to bear all these things in mind. One other thing to bear in mind as well that's very important is that we will never, ever, ever in this age be able to shine so brightly for Jesus as the church that everybody, without exception, agrees that the church is just wonderful. We so love the church. We're so pleased that you're here. That's never going to quite happen because well actually the bible explicitly says that jesus told his disciples he said if if they persecuted me they'll persecute you paul says it in second corinthians chapter 2 quite an interesting couple of verses that we sometimes miss because they're not particularly inspiring but they are important well actually i say they're not inspiring they're definitely partly inspiring this is what he says we are the aroma of christ to god among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing To the one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. He's saying, to some people, if you love Jesus, for some people that will be a delightful thing. It will be like a nice smell. For other people, if you love Jesus, even if you follow him wholeheartedly, even if you represent him well, even if you wear the uniform correctly, You will still offend them. You will still put them off. They will still be against you because in the end you represent something that's light and in them there's darkness. So the church and we as Christians must never unrealistically set our targets on a day when everybody in our town or city or village or school thinks we're amazing and loves the church like they should. That's probably not going to come in this age. We'll always be a little bit of a controversial um, uh, factor in society, One example would make this point fairly vividly. Mother Teresa, who died within the last 10-15 years, I guess, was an extraordinary person who poured out her life serving the poor in Calcutta in India. And she was an amazingly gracious person, someone who talked about loving Jesus and serving the poor all her life. And you would have thought that everybody in the world would agree... The Mother Teresa's just the, the brilliant example, the shining example of someone who loves and serves Jesus. And therefore everyone would respect her. The problem is they didn't. The problem is that here in the UK, Channel 4 broadcast about an hour long documentary once pointing out all the things that they thought were wicked about Mother Teresa. Now that is a bit of a reality check, okay? I just want to say, if they're coming after Mother Teresa... They're coming after you, okay? You're never going to be so good that everybody thinks you're wonderful. You might actually be so good that people start to hate you and dislike you. It's just part of following the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever we do in terms of setting our vision for the church, we mustn't set an unrealistic one. Having said all of the above, we should still have and we can still have Huge amounts of hope for the church. Having said everything that I've just said, Jesus himself gives us every good reason to expect great things, to anticipate a glorious future for the church. That's him speaking right here in this passage. He's gathering. Do you remember? He's taking the 12 away to Caesarea Philippi. He's spending time talking to them about what really matters. He's taken them to New Day. He's saying, right, let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's get into the really deep things. And he says to them, here, here, Peter, this is the big picture. This is the big plan. This is the big goal. Like a, like a chief executive from a huge company sitting his directors around the table and saying, okay, this is what we're going for. Here's the big plan. I am unveiling my vision for the world. And he says, I will build my church. That's it. That's his plan. That's Jesus saying his dream for the world. Jesus has a dream. You remember Martin Luther King, 1963? I have a dream. Great leaders are good at inspiring people with a dream. Well, Jesus has the greatest dream a man has ever had, and it's called the church. Have you ever thought of it like that? Jesus is inspired about the church. Jesus' dream, Jesus' plan, Jesus' ambition, Jesus' goal, Jesus' destiny. The church. The church of Jesus Christ. He he, he puts it in similar terms. A few chapters earlier in Matthew's gospel where he's talking to a bigger crowd of disciples. And he says to them in Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Jesus speaking to his people saying, this is who you are. This is your destiny. I want you to fill the world with light. I want you to stand out like a city set up on a hill. I want you to be the glorious joy of the whole earth. That's my dream for the church. And friends, Jesus' dreams get fulfilled. Jesus' prayers get answered. Jesus' vision has destiny. It's going to happen. This is his plan. This is his purpose through history. And this is why we need to catch up with him. We, yes, you, 21st century Western teenage Christian, you need to catch up with Jesus when it comes to your attitude towards the church. If your, church, your attitude, if your passion for the church is anything less than Jesus's, you have some catching up to do. If your attitude towards the church is negative, if you see it as that embarrassing relative who comes to pick you up from the party, you need to change, not Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to change his attitude. He never has had to change his attitude. He's God. It's we who've got it wrong. If we're down on the church, we're wrong. That includes you, my friend. If you are down on the church, you are wrong. Because Jesus is not down on the church. Jesus loves the church and gave his life for her. He died for her. He prays for her. He waits for her. He longs for her. One day he he will be married to her. There will be a glorious wedding feast. In a New heavens and a new earth and forever and ever he will be united completely with his dream, his church. Do you see how important it is, my dear friends, that we catch some of his passion for the church? You might think, well this preacher seems very excited about the church. Joel Verger, you seem very excited about the church. I tell you, I am a trillionth as excited about the church as Jesus is. He's the one you've got to catch up with, not me you've got to fix your eyes on him and when you fix your eyes on him you'll start to get a bigger vision you'll start to get a bigger dream in your mind there's some different practical ways that we can think about this I, a friend of mine who's also a preacher he often gets asked by people what do you do for a living when people ask me what I do for a living I just say oh, I, I'm a church pastor or I say something really boring I'm afraid but he says something a little bit more interesting I like this. let me read it to you he says well I work For a global enterprise, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. We run orphanages, we've got hospitals, hospices, we do marriage guidance counseling, we've got schools, colleges, universities and publishing companies. We look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. And when he says this, you can imagine the the, the questioner, Look at him and say, what is this organization that you work for? It sounds amazing. And he says, the church. Maybe we haven't quite thought of it like that. I remember when I was, I guess around your age, some of you, 16, 17 years old, I was listening to my dad preach. My dad's a preacher as well. And he was talking about children in Brazil, in the streets, who are being cleared away by the police, by the authorities, in some cases actually just being shot because there was so much of a problem of street children living in the favelas, in the slum areas of the big cities in Brazil, causing all kinds of mayhem, all kinds of problems and difficulties. The police were at, 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 just didn't know how to deal with the situation. In some cases, children, young children on the streets just being shot. He was describing this situation, and this happens around the world still all the time. This kind of injustice, this, kinds of, this kind of contempt for the dignity of people, and I remember listening to him talking about this and, and, and he, he kind of rounded the point up to a climax and he said, the only hope for those children in Brazil is, and everyone's on the edge of the seat and I'm waiting, I'm assuming I know what the next word is. The next word is Jesus, right? That's what they need, Jesus. That's the answer, right? That's what you're going to say, dad. And he said, the only hope for those children is the church. I remember listening to the sermon. I'm in two or three rows back from the front. I just thought, Dad, you got it wrong. What's going? well, you got it wrong? That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. We know that. I just felt like going up, saying, Dad, you're looking at the wrong section in your notes. You got this wrong. He got it right. What did Jesus say? When he healed a blind man, he said, "I am the light of the world. While I am in the world." In Matthew chapter 5, we read it a few minutes ago. You are the light of the world. How has Jesus chosen to be known in the world? How has Jesus chosen to show himself? Did he write a book? Jesus himself never wrote a book. How did Jesus choose to communicate himself to the powers, to the cosmic powers, to the demons, to the angels, to the nations, to the presidents and the kings and queens, the headmasters, the teachers, the peer groups, The newspapers, social media. How does Jesus want to be known? Through his church. That's how it's going to happen. It's through the church. That's why we must fill the world with communities that are filled with Jesus. We must fill the world with churches. Because the church carries the presence of God. The church carries the promises of God. The church by the Spirit, is joined to God in Christ. We are his presence. We are. We're we're like branches of the tree that is Christ. We have amazing potential. We need to catch up with him and see it the way that he does. Let me say before I close then, last part of this message, a couple of things that this, this does for me. When I look at the way Jesus talks to his disciples about the church it does a couple of big numbers on me. The first is that it fills me with relief. It fills me with relief because I notice that he says to, to these men, these weak men, these ordinary men, Peter, John, Andrew. I, you, you know these guys a little bit, I expect. Some of you know some of the stories of how he chose these disciples. You remember how he chose Peter. Peter, you need to know. You really only know two things about Peter at the beginning. The first is that he was really bad at fishing. And the second, that that was his job. That's, that's what he starts with. He starts with people who are ordinary, people who are frail, people who don't look impressive necessarily. They've got all kinds of weaknesses and even disqualifications it would seem. Jesus tends to have a habit all through this book of choosing unlikely people. Choosing ordinary people, choosing the weak things of the world to shame the strong, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You feel weak. You feel foolish. You hear me talking about a global enterprise, a a glorious cosmic vision, and the church is going to change the world. And you might think, well, yeah, that's for someone else. I'm just here for the ride. I, I just enjoy New Day. Thanks. I'm just glad I'm here. I'm just in on it because God's kind to me. You have no idea how kind he is to you. He's kind enough to give you not just a get out on your past, but a purpose in the future. He has a plan for you. You think, well, yeah, but I'm not very good at things. I I know that I'm very bad. I make mistakes. I fail. Jesus loves choosing people who aren't that impressive in themselves to glorify his name, and it should fill us with relief. He says, I will build my church. Every pastor's favorite verse. He's going to do it. I don't have to do it. When the church looks like a mess, when it looks like we're getting everything wrong, he said, I will do it. I'm in charge. I'm very interested in my church. It gives me an amazing, liberating sense of relief. To to know that he cares, that he's, he's intimately connected with his people. that he's able to make us strong he's able to make us great he's able to start with 12 scrawny guys and genuinely within a couple of generations fill the Roman Empire you know that it says about these disciples in the book of Acts a few years later the officials in a city a long way west of Jerusalem said about the Christians when they turned up They said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here as well that was the reputation they had. They've turned the world upside down. This, he's still doing it today. We, we think about the, the, the arrival of, of all kinds of new causes and religions and ideas in the world. We think about the growth of Islam. What we hear in the media all the time is the strength of Islam. And whenever you see the church being referred to in the Western media, it's usually a few bishops having an argument about sexual orientation. It's, they can't make up their mind on you know, what do we believe about this and this, and it seems so trivial, and so, it's so silly, it's so in the past. That's the image of the church that comes across to us here in the Western media. That is not the image that God has in heaven when he looks on the church. His church is growing. The, the Christianity is growing faster than Islam around the world. More people are becoming Christians every day than we could possibly cope with. Tens of thousands come to Christ every day all around the world. Jesus is doing what he said he would do. He said, I will build my church. He's doing it. (laughs) We're up here in England, you know, on the kind of the edge of the world. We think we're it right here in New Day. You should go to China. You should go to Africa. You should go to South America. You should go to Latin America. You should go to to Southeast Asia. God is doing an amazing work all around the world. I'm so glad I get to be a part of it, aren't you? He's doing it and he's inspired about it. He's excited about it. Remember what he did when he met Saul of Tarsus, Acts chapter 8, when he knocks him off his horse or his donkey, whatever it is he was riding. He was going up to Damascus to kill Christians. That's why he was going there, to find the church. He hated the church. He wanted to destroy the church. Jesus meets him. What does Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting them? No, he doesn't say that. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me? This this is how close to his heart the church is. A friend of mine is is leading a church in a a Muslim majority country in a big city. And uh, a man became a Christian and came to his church and brought his wife along after a few weeks. And his wife sat at the back during the meeting despising it laughing at it, feeling it was a stupid church. just what, These people are sad. All the things that we might be tempted to think, I suppose. She had a dream a couple of nights later. She had no idea about Christianity, didn't really know about Jesus. But in her dream, Jesus came to speak to her. Somebody, I think in the story, it was that he had nail marks through his hands and his feet. She, she recognized who it was. And his only words to her were, why are you mocking my people? Why are you mocking my people? See, he hasn't stopped feeling the way he felt in Acts chapter 8 when he met Saul. It's 2,000 years later, his heart is beating just as fast about my people, my people. He loves his church. He loves their love for him their worship, he loves who they are, he loves their destiny, he loves his plans for them, his purpose for them, their multiplication, their growth, their inevitable growth through the world as they become this glorious city set on a hill. So we can be relieved, (laughs) fearing perhaps that this all depends on us is completely inappropriate. He said he would do it. But this this doesn't end with relief because secondly and finally we can also find courage it doesn't just give us relief it also gives us courage he says I will build my church and he speaks to weak people like Peter he says Simon I'll call you Peter Peter which means rock on this rock I will build my church I started talking about this yesterday you need to understand what he's saying he's speaking identity to a man and in doing that he's speaking courage even the word church is an interesting one Jesus uses the word ecclesia ecclesia he could have used the word synagogue which would have come across to me a religious community but he didn't use that word he uses the word ecclesia which was the word that used to get used in ancient cities about the council of people who held authority in that city. When the kind of local council would sit together and make decisions, it was called the Ecclesia. And Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my Ecclesia. He's saying to his people, I give you authority. I give you a calling. I want you to have courage. I want you to believe the promises I have made you. I want you to stand in the good of them. I want you to be confident. I don't want you to apologize for me. And I don't want you to apologize for who I've made you to be. I want you to be solid and confident in the promises I've made you. A few years ago, I was leading a prayer meeting in my own church. My, my, my dad was there. And uh, I, I just in the middle of re- leading this prayer meeting, I, I was referring to a meeting... That was in my diary in the following few days. And I said to the church, I said, look, I've got a meeting with some local dignitaries uh, from the city. Some, Some fairly influential people in the city are gathering together and I have been invited to this meeting. And so I'd like you to pray for me. And the way I said it was like this. I said, well, I've been invited to this meeting and I don't really know why. I said, I, I, you know, I have no idea why they would invite someone like me. I mean, I look at me, I'm just hopeless. I mean, it's just really silly that they invite me. I don't know what they think they're doing. I was kind of expecting everyone in the room to like me more because I put on the kind of self-deprecating act. You know how we do that, especially English people? Any English people here, you know what I mean? Where we just sort of make out that we're idiots and we do the Hugh Grant thing. We just kind of, just basically buffoons who don't really know what we're doing. Boris Johnson, for example, that kind of thing. He puts on the act. Do you know what I mean? He shows himself that way. My dad was in the meeting and he came over to me. He said afterwards, he said, do you feel called to lead the people of God in this city or not? I realized he was right. We're not. We're not friends as the members of God's ecclesia to apologize for who we are as the people of God. Do you understand? I realized I needed to stand up with a straighter spine, I needed to say, No, 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 I'm called to this city. Jesus put me in this city, I'm part of his ecclesia. He's building a church on his rock. He's doing something great I get to be part of. I have no place apologizing for it. I have no place hiding behind that false sense of humility. Friend, friends, let me urge you to step up with courage. You may say, well, I don't know if I'm called to be a, a pastor or called to be a leader. You're a leader. Of course, you, you need to step up and be strong. My friend, if you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, you're a leader by default. You are. You just already are. I don't mean that you're going to be a full-time pastor at all. Most of you won't do that. But you are all called to lead, to be those who bring the kingdom of God, the authority of King Jesus into your locality. So stand strong in that identity. I want to urge you to see it the way that God sees it. To see the destiny that he has for his people. And you may think, well, I don't know if I am a person of destiny. Lou was talking last night about David and Goliath. And we might think, well, it's, it's those great people that have that sense of destiny. It's not really about those great people anyway. There's only really one great person. It's Jesus. The greatest men and women in church history are really just donkeys that Jesus rides on. It's not ever been about the man of destiny, the woman of destiny. Get that idea out of your head. There's one people of destiny. If we're only ever thinking about the squeaky little destiny that we have, we'll miss the fact that Jesus has a great destiny and he is passionate about the destiny that he will share with his bride, the community that he's calling into being. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a magnificent destiny. You just do. You can tweet that. It's absolutely true because you are part of his people, the church of Jesus Christ. So, how do we respond to this? We serve, we pray, we dream, we give, we train some of you it is literally the case that today you're hearing for the first time a positive vision for the church and you're realizing because your heart is beating that you will be one of the church's pastors in years to come some of you when I started talking about filling the world with churches there were some of you in this room who began to dream you started to think yeah I want to do that I want to fill the world with churches I want to start new churches I want to start new communities for Jesus all over the world. I want to find cities where people don't know who Jesus is. Cities where people are going to hell. Cities where people are building their lives on the wrong rock. Not a rock at all, building it on sand. And their lives will soon be over. And generations will tumble into eternity without knowing God. And we have answers and we can be part of the solution that Jesus has called into being, called the church, built on the rock of salvation, And we can say to the world, we have light, we have truth, we have joy. We want to start communities in city after city, town after town, village after village. The reason that New Day got started 13 years ago was because God spoke to us in the UK about starting a 1,000 churches in the UK as New Frontiers. There's about 300 now. And so we thought, well, we need a few more churches then. We need a few more church planters. We need some hungry teenagers who say to Jesus, here's my life, take it, use it. I want to help start churches across this country. That's what New Day's for. It's not mainly for milkshake. It's mainly for Jesus and his church. And you might think, well, what has that got to do with me? It could have tons to do with you. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be church planting. Am I a leader? Not necessarily, but you could serve. You can pray. You can be involved. You can support. You can, you can encourage. You can give you can think how can I serve Jesus church some of you, the way you will serve the church of Jesus Christ is by getting a job that gives you a six figure salary some of you are going to make so much money you won't know what to do with it and Jesus will come along and say I'll tell you what to do with it churches thrive when people give some of you need to get jobs that pay a lot of money some of you need to get jobs that give you a lot of influence in cities in councils, in universities in the media so that when the church speaks up you're able to say, listen to the church, let the church speak. And you represent the church in those communities and in those situations and sectors of society. So I'm not just talking to the future pastors, I'm talking to this generation. This is what we do New Day for, friends. We are passionate about him and his kingdom community, the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get the band back up, but I'm going to ask you to do something unusual, and that is stand up without talking. Can you do that? Let's do it. Come on. Musicians, come and join me. We're going to get straight into this. This is a moment in God, okay? This is an opportunity for us to respond to the call. Matthew 16 has turned a corner, yeah? We're talking about what we do with the rest of our lives now. We're talking about what happens next. And some of you amazing, wonderful people who are a joy to watch and get to know over a week like this, you have no idea the precious destiny that God wants to be scattering across this room, the seeds of destiny. It's like he's coming in like a farmer, just throwing seeds across this room, throwing seeds across this room. And and you might want to ask questions of Jesus, all kinds of questions. Where should I go to university? What job should I get? Who should I marry? And those are good questions. Those are good questions. But honestly, friends, settle first the question of whether you see the church of Jesus as a priority in your life. Do that first. Do not decide first about your own personal career and destiny and then put the church second and say, I want to help, gloriously help build a church with my life. Church is. I want to serve the church of Jesus Christ. Put that first. He'll help you with the other questions.